0: Recorded live. All right, we are back. The Golden Gold Podcast once again. I'm your host, Drew Collins, joined as always by James Carr. And James, uh, we may have hit the gold mine today. I know the uh, Golden Gold Podcast is in its infancy, but uh, we're coming out strong with with our with our guest card uh, this week. Um, I'll let you introduce him. I'm really excited about this. Go ahead, take it. Take it over.
2: Yes, we, uh, we are joined by Anoush Uh He has covered soccer in all different leagues for all kinds of different outlets, uh, primarily for ESPN, but before joining the ranks of uh, broadcaster, was a former uh, U.S. national team player back in the early 90s when the uh, team was getting back going again, leading into the uh, big 1994 uh, World Cup in the United States. And today he uh, ranks in his top five achievements by joining the Golden Goal podcast. Janish, how are
0: you today?
1: I am. I am doing extremely well, and uh, very happy to be a part of it. You know, it's always good to be on something that's starting right because then I can. Uh, uh, claim responsibility for being one of the first uh, first one and and uh, and making the show uh, great. Of course, not just joking here. But uh, yeah, always welcome uh, uh, people that that love the game and are interested to uh, to spend their time and and have podcasts or, uh, you know, radio shows or wherever the uh, platform may be. So well done to you guys.
2: Yeah, well, we certainly uh, appreciate that. And um, you know, talking about starting something, um, you you were obviously a part of the. Uh, revival of soccer culture in the United States back in the early 90s. And uh, you and I spoke um, at length for uh, a story that I wrote for Bleacher Report uh, ahead of the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup is, is now finished. And uh, there were a number of things that we discussed, um, you know, between the two of us that I, that I think would be uh, great to review and, uh, and also just shed, shed uh, some light on to the general public. Um, we can start with the uh, Gold Cup. Um, One of the things that that we talked about was um, about the the energy and the effort that the U.S. always brings to their games. And uh, you assured me that there was no, um, you know, the U.S. would certainly not be taking the Gold Cup lightly. Um, And it's not to say that they were taking it lightly, but um, the performance was pretty lackluster. And um, there's several reasons for that. Um, I was wondering if you maybe if you had some theories on why that is um, or or if you just had any sort of general impressions about uh, the u s performance in the gold cup
1: yeah I mean it wasn 't the best i don 't think that there's a you know we can hide that right I mean uh, we were the defending champions uh, and to come forth it 's not necessarily a goal achieved right but you know, uh, I think I think most people know me. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to be an apologist uh, uh, for anyone, but I, I have to approach that as a former player because, you know, there are expectations from fans, from media. There's certainly expectations from coaches and from uh, players themselves, and they will know that this wasn't uh, a, a goal that, that, that was achieved uh, uh, for sure. Uh, you know, it happens sometimes. First and foremost, and I think because we often defend you know, our region from people in Europe or elsewhere, you know, everybody knocks CONCACAF down. And, you know, perhaps uh, for different reasons, uh, you know, that reared its ugly head, right? I mean, we we had uh, a lot of chaos that that shouldn't be there. But from a a competitive standpoint, uh, I kind of almost embrace it because CONCACAF is much tougher than something. I think in order for U.S. team to get better. We always said that it's it's difficult sometimes. You know, in the past it was difficult to do that in in Concacaf because perhaps there isn't enough competition. Well, I think you know, I think it's been shown that there is competition, and it's it'd be too easy just to say that U.S. didn't deliver without recognizing the fact that uh, uh, the region is getting better, and that's good for everyone. But most importantly, even even with a result like this, it's good for the U.S. uh, national team. The better the competition, the better. You know, we have a chance to show once we get to the World Cup, and I think I would hope that every, uh, everyone agrees with me. I often say I almost hope that Canada would get better uh, still, and some of the other countries. We saw what Costa Rica has done in the last World Cup, right? We've seen what Haiti can uh, can do, and even Cuba from time to time. Panama, we already knew. I mean, uh, another outstanding performance uh, uh, from them, and you know, unfortunately, if you're not at the at the peak and and the highest level, that's what what can happen? And U.S. were not. And for a number of reasons, uh, you know, who knows? Fatigue played a part for all of it, not just in this tournament, but after the seasons, uh, uh, you know, respective seasons of all the players. Uh, you know, uh, uh, look, I mean, I, I wasn't all that high on all the rotation uh, that we've had. Uh, you guys may have to, re- you know, help me out. I think might have been in the second game in, in the, in, 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 the, in the Gold Cup where I think the entire back four was changed, right? There were seven yeah. or eight changes, you know. And, and I get it that rotation in a tournament like this is important because there's a little bit uh, uh, less rest in between games, as it is, say, you know, during uh, the World Cup. But I just think, you know, the, as I mentioned, these are, this is the, the biggest competition in our region. This is our European Championships. This is our Copa America. And and rhythm is important. And if you look at what happened, I'm not saying it's because of it, but I mean we've had so many cha- changes. Our back four never ever looked settled, even though we've had for a number of games we have Alvarado and and Brooks there. But I just I just found that uh, unsettling, and that's what it was. Uh, you can still make changes, but back four for me has to stay there. And there could be a change, maybe two, but four. Um, you know, it, it, from the get-go, that kind of uh, 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 surprised me a little bit. And and to be honest with you, throughout the tournament, we never, ever, ever found rhythm. You know, uh, Cuba, the 6 nothing. yeah, we knew we needed to win. I like a lot of things that happened there because even against an opposition like this, uh, you know, at times, you know, you know you can do it, but it still doesn't come off. So there's some positives uh, out of that, uh, understanding, of course, uh, you know, the opponent. Uh, but you know, uh, as as we saw, I mean, you know, this Jamaican team. I mean, how sh- we shouldn't be surprised that they 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 gave us a game and they beat us, right? I mean, I, I was saying, and many were saying, just based on what we saw in Copa America, uh, that this is a different Jamaican team, uh, you know, with a, a lot of quality, a, a lot of uh, uh, new players. I mean, you know, Giles Barnes, we all know him, right? I mean, he's just a recent addition to that. Um, uh, Maddox, we all knew how good he is. They, they both play in, in, in Major League Soccer. And, you know, they have, uh, you know, guys like Mariapa, obviously Crystal Palace, a lot of players that play in the championships uh, in England. And, you know, a, a, a German coach who certainly understands how to coach in regions like this. He's been in Africa. And, of course, just I suppose by, by virtue of being German, he was always going to br- bring in a little bit more uh, structure to that team. So I don't think that should be a huge surprise um, uh, uh, to anybody. Okay. Uh, I had a
0: question for you. James and I spoke last week about this, and you look at the way that the U.S. performed in friendlies uh, against Germany and against the Dutch, and then you kind of, you know, you fast forward a couple weeks, and then you have uh, the Gold Cup, where it looks like two totally different teams. My theory on that was that in Europe, uh, they have a bigger audience. They have some prospective employers, hopefully. Um, You know, that is is you know that's a stage where they could possibly make some money, as we we saw that did happen. Do you think that they just were they they were a little bit more motivated by that than they were playing here in the Gold Cup?
1: No, I I, I don't buy into it. I, I really don't. I mean, you know, <laughs> yes, the motivation is there. I'm, I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. You because mm-hmm. certainly, I mean, we always feel that we have to prove ourselves on the bigger stage, right? And there isn't a bigger stage other than the World Cup itself to play against the likes of Germany and Holland away, right, where, where people that are skeptical about American soccer, you know, we get a chance to show it to them that we have that pride, you know. But, you know, there's less pressure. I mean, Gold Cup is a Go Cup. We came into it as favorites, right? We always wanted the favorites, us in Mexico. So there's different pressures for sure. There are no consequences for the most part when you play against Germany and Holland. There are consequences here. And as I said, you know, it, it, you can't compare the matches because it's this different dynamics, different style of play. Certain things are given when you play against opponents like, you know, like Germany and Holland. They are. You know, there there's a blueprint there of, of the way European teams play, and there's a lot of unknowns, you know, when you come to this region. You know, you, you, you may have everything scouted out, but there's players that you don't see a lot or you don't play, against, you know, against a lot, and it's just different. You You can't compare that. So... I think motivations are the same. It's easy to say it now because we had an unsuccessful uh, uh, CONCACAF. But but we did because we're not used to it these days, right? I mean, this a, a result like this, we're just not used to it. So in everyone's mind, this is the end of the world. And, and it's a negative, but it isn't, I promise you. I mean, it, you know, I was part of, I think it was the first one, first Gold Cup when we won it in 91. Uh, I think the next one I was in, we lost in the final to Mexico. Um, you know uh, uh, but but it 's a difficult, difficult competition. Uh, people still don 't get it, but by virtue of of wanting to be the best and by virtue of wanting to take that next step there 's almost an assumption that we have to be in the final or win it every time it 's a big ask even in a region like ours, so again, not trying to make excuses because the performances were not good and and I think we have to wait and see what happens, because you're right. I mean, when you look at the, from the physical standpoint, we suffered. We normally don't suffer, but we suffered. Whatever it was, it was probably a combination of the long season. It was probably a combination of not, being, not hitting form at the right moment. It was probably a combination from Jurgen Klinsmann not to make the right adjustments and, and, and put out the right uh, starting 11s. It was inability to maybe have some of the players that were informed, that were not brought in, right? Because if Jürgen Quisman says this is the biggest competition, the most important competition, and he, as he said, he picked the mo- the very, very experienced team, well, then I think that the experienced players should have uh, shown a little bit better. Um, you know, for one reason or another, he didn't bring some players from Europe. Uh, you know, even, even just, just today I was watching some of the goals that Rubio Rubin scored. I'm not saying that he should should have been there, but, you know, there are legitimate questions of, Of perhaps we needed to bring players that were in form, right? I mean, if you go into a tournament like this as a manager, when you see, you know, and I'm going to probably say what many have said, but it's true. If you look at, uh, you know, someone like Benny Failhaber, you know, uh, on one hand, you may say to yourself, well, you know, Michael Bradley uh, is the captain he's going to play, but he could have been a player that could be rotated in, uh, right, to bring something extra if Michael wasn't doing a job or even just to rotate him. Um, you know, to have a little bit of break. Uh, you know, uh, Finley, another player that's been playing absolutely outstanding so far. And, and, you know, we're talking about them because we're also talking about the All-Star game and all that and some of the choices and decisions that have been made. So, uh, you know, that's something that I think Jorgen Klinsmann is going to have to look into and, 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 and address in terms of did he bring the best team? Uh, you know, maybe this was a very experienced team, but was it the right team? Yeah, you know, and I uh, think
2: there's a lot to be said for that, especially in a, a tournament setting when, um, you know, certainly experience counts for something, but there's also got to be that uh, ability to generate some athleticism and some, some energy and, um, you know, have some guys who are there trying to earn their spot for the World Cup, which there weren't necessarily that many players with that added layer of, um, of uh well, uh, you know, whatever
1: you want to call it, you 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 know, I mean, you look at the group of, of thirty players, and not to see the likes of Fell Hubbard, that could have been a, a you know a player that's brought in after the group stages, right? I mean, if you go into yeah. the Gold Cup and, and and you 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 bring uh, you know Davis in, then you send him home, and the next night he plays against Houston, you know, he plays for Houston Dynamo, right? Josie Altador, you bring him in. It's obvious you want to give him benefit of the doubt, but you know he's been injured ahead of that. He couldn't possibly be at 100%, right? And then, you know, then you send him home and he plays, you know, for Toronto the next day. It's just not normal, right? Uh, to me, that's not sort of decisions that, you know, those are the sort of decisions that you have to weigh in and say, okay, experience is important, and certainly you can bring a core of experienced players, but maybe some of the younger players need to be in. Now, there were some legitimate excuses because, you know, uh, you look at somebody like Bobby Wood, you know, was changing clubs, right? You want him to make an impression. You don't want him to right away be missing in the preseason and, again, with his talent sit on the bench because now he has to catch up. Those are very, very tough decisions because they, on the other side, you can say, well, who cares about that? The national team is the most important, right? And maybe he could have, based on what he showed uh uh, but based on what he showed uh in in against holland and 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 Germany right uh Morris is another player youngster, but you know he 's going back to college so it 's not all that easy it is complex uh there are things that that unless you're inside that, that you won 't know and maybe you know i don 't know how transparent one has to be because there' some some decisions coaches and 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 the, the staff have to make. And we're not necessarily privy to that. And maybe we shouldn't be privy to everything, right, because some things do stay within the team. But, you know, uh, uh, look, it, it, it may be a, a little bit of a wake-up call, right? It may not be the best thing. I always, uh, the worst thing, I always say this. Look, at, in the end, I don't really care what happens now. All I will care is that we qualify for the World Cup and how good of a team we're going to have three years from now. Yeah, and I know these steps are important here, and you want to have success in the competitions in between. But the truth of the matter is that that you know we can be winning everything now, and if we go out of the group stages in, in the World Cup in Russia, you know what does that mean? So, so you know the national team and the World Cup cycle are a little bit different, I think, in my opinion. So again, no excuses because the, the performance itself, never mind the end product, which was a fourth place, and that was hugely disappointing. Uh, you know, uh, but. I think we would have been disappointed if we lost in the final. Let's face it, you know, let's not couch this. I mean, you know, you going into this tournament as one of the favorites, you want to win it. So, uh, you know, I I hope it all makes sense to you guys.
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think uh, uh, Jurgen will certainly bring uh, that sort of World Cup um, mentality to the team, having uh, certainly uh, performed well and coached well in in World Cups. Um, He knows the value of preparing a team for that, and I think that that sort of long-term mentality hasn't really been a part um, of of many coaches' plans um, for the U.S. uh, previous. So I think you bring up a lot of good points there. Um, Before we shift gears a little bit, I did want to ask you or follow up a bit more about Michael Bradley. I was wondering, you know, he he hasn't really seemed to, um, you mentioned rhythm, find the rhythm and, and find a consistent place Uh, on the team, whether sometimes he's more moving forward, sometimes he's holding back a little bit more. Um, How important is it for him moving forward to find that place? And
1: were you encouraged or discouraged by uh, the Gold Cup in, in terms of Bradley's performance? I I think, you know, uh, right now we, we need to find him a place. I mean, that, that he plays consistently and not being switched, like in this tournament, from one to the other. And, again, it's not a question that he's not capable of playing both, right? But I don't think it's good for a player. I mean, he'll always tell you the right thing, you know, I still think he's better, you know, when he plays further forward. Uh, I really do, because for me, he's got that drive to go forward. He wants to do that. He's got the distribution. Not to say that he can't do it defensively, but as I've said, I think, to you before, James, uh, when you sit back and you, have, and you have a tendency or characteristics to go forward, you always, in the back of your mind, you kind of hold yourself a little bit because you know the your main role is that of a deeper player. Now, when Michael Bradley plays forward, I think we get a lot more from him because he, he is a very good distributor of the ball, short or long. He's capable of scoring goals. But see, while playing there, he will still track back, and that will be a bonus, right? He will go out of his way to help players, yet his main role is with, where his strengths lie, in my opinion. Sitting deeper, we lose on both sides, I think. That's, that's my opinion. Now people will say, well, Michael Bradley can play, but can he play at the highest level in the World Cup? Can he be that player playing further forward? You know, again, you know, last World Cup was a little bit different. He had a tough World Cup, I think. It's one of those where, um, you know, you couldn't foresee happening, where every game he, for the most part, struggled, right? Uh, but I still think he's a very, very good player. It's not like we have a number of them. As I said, I would like to see uh, failhaber uh, get uh, uh, an opportunity when he's at his best, you know what I mean? When he clearly shows week in and week out how good he is. He's got the experience of the national team already. He's got a little bit of a revival there, and I would like to see players like that being rewarded because uh, how else do you get a reward, right? I mean, you work hard every day in a major league soccer, and, and you, know, you hope that, that uh, um, you know, the coach will see that. But I still think for Michael Bradley, it's further forward a little bit. You know, that, that was my problem, that it was uh, too much tinkering. You know, uh, there's rotation, there's rotation. It was just a little bit too much tinkering. And, you know, in a tournament like this, this is, as I've said, this is the highest level of competition in our region. And I think, you know, we needed to be focused. We needed to find the 14 or 15 best players and really have a go at you know at that, rather than you know, I understand what he's trying to do, guys. I mean, he's, he is trying to test some of the younger players, perhaps, or some of the players to see how they react under pressure, you know, rather than in a friendly match, right? But I think there was just a little bit too much. The team, from to me, from the beginning, never found the rhythm. And and, and it's easy to say that because of that second game, because of a number of changes that took place in that game, but uh, but I would never, ever have done as a manager, not in a big tournament like this, when you pump it up from the beginning saying that we want to go to the Confederations Cup, we want to win it again. We don't want to be playing that extra game. And yet you see this just, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, when I saw that lineup, uh, I could explain that to myself every which way, which I've done here, I think uh, I could see the reasoning be- be behind it, but, but I would never have done that. Uh, I would not change my back four uh, uh, like that. And, and just to me, it was, it was too much. It's, it's hard. I think it's hard for players in a tournament like this, you have to find a rhythm. Uh, you know, it's a it's a long tournament. And you have to have the rhythm. You have to have nine, ten players that that know uh, the is their job to to bring that first place. And and you know, injury suspensions. Maybe you recognize the one or two players are getting a little bit tired. You make those changes, but it shouldn't be just a free for all where you where you 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 chopping and changing nonstop throughout the tournament.
2: Yeah, um, I totally agree with you. And and we had touched a bit about. Um... Juergen's rotation uh, on previous episodes of the podcast as well. Bewildering to just about everyone, except perhaps Man uh, rolling the dice, as it were. Um, to switch gears a little bit, and um, you know, kind of on a similar vein, we're talking now about the uh, MLS All-Star game coming up this Wednesday in uh, Colorado. The selection of MLS All-Stars will take on Tottenham Hotspur. Um, should be uh, one of the strongest MLS All-Star lineups in uh, MLS history, um, one of the players who was given a commissioner's pick in um, what would, could be called controversial action would be Frank Lampard. He hasn't played a game for NYCFC and yet is now, uh, well, was selected to um, play for the All-Star team. Um, Commissioner Garber received quite a bit of pushback for that and subsequently named a couple of other players, in part due to the um, bonus structure that exists for being named an All-Star. Uh, which, you know, would seemed a little unfair to give to Frank Lampard, a guy who hasn't played ahead of uh, anyone else who has played. Um, but he is uh, going to be injured and will not play. And it kind of brings up something we were discussing um, before we went on the air about the, uh, you know, insane schedule that is being put not only on broadcasters but on uh, the players themselves, um, basically playing year-round nowadays Um, And you kind of alluded to the Gold Cup being right in the middle of the MLS season as well. I'm just wondering if you had any thoughts about just the demand being put on the players, the potential for havoc that has, and also the MLS summer schedule, and at what point there might be, um, if if ever, some sort of change in the way that operates.
1: Yeah, I don't see a change. Uh, You know, I I think, you know, we are where we are. It kind of makes sense. Uh, You know, I mean, we used to always... Fight it, We were trying to look for ways, but obviously, you know, we can't play. You know, look what's happening in term in terms of climate in February, or you know what I mean. If we wanted to change that it's just impossible. Uh, I, I think for that, uh, uh, the schedule is demanding, especially for player, especially for teams in a, a Major League Soccer, because the true depth isn't there. So when the league is playing and players are playing in the Gold Cup, and and, and not only that, but look, you know, I mean, even now you have players playing in in the in the in the, the Guinness Cup, right? I mean, you're incredible so all the teams are playing. This is not ideal, but it's still, I think, part of the growth uh, that's needed. You know what I mean? Uh, you're still paying the price. I think in time you will see, you will see uh, uh, that change a little bit. Look, at even from the beginning, I mean, I remember when, you know, when the league started. We had those friendly matches, too. Teams would come over. I remember playing Leeds, Sheffield Wednesday at the time when I was with Columbus Crew, and and, and you know, at that time, even though we probably couldn't afford it because of injuries and in depth and all that, you know, every time Major League Soccer team would play a foreign team, it would be the, the starting lineup, right, because there was a point to prove. And the the league has progressed. I mean, look, look at what uh, New York Red Bulls did. I just did their game against Benfica, but even in the game against Chelsea. I mean, this is, you know, these are teams that feel confident to put second team, second teams out there, right, and still getting results. That wouldn't have happened. If Chelsea came in in 1996 or 97, I mean, there was, there would have been pressure from everywhere, I suppose, and I wouldn't be even surprised if there was pressure from the front office to play, to play the strongest lineup, right, to represent the league because there would have been kind of, you know, early in it and you kind of want to make sure that the right message goes around the world that at least it was competitive, maybe we get a result or not, you know, and now that's changing, so that's positive. That's another sign of the growth of the league, that, uh, you know, academy kids from New York Red Bulls can go not only play, but play well. And and, and even against Benfica the other day, yeah, they, they, you know, there's three or four more experienced players in the lineup, but still a lot of uh, younger players. Uh, you know, Tyler Adams, of course, a 16-year-old, starts against against Benfica and Chelsea. So, well, he started against Benfica. I can't remember if he started against Chelsea, but he played uh, in that game. So uh, I, I think it goes to show that... Uh, uh, you know that the league is progressing. I think we all know that. In terms of how much uh, 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 soccer everybody's playing, it's it's way too much. It's way too much. There's no right answer. There's no perfect answer to that, guys. Because the league still, you know, the league, the teams, the owners still demand, you know, money. I mean, the money comes into it when you have in certain places fifty, sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people watching you, right? I mean, you, you can't turn that down. Uh, I think it's important, it's important to give that exposure of Major League Soccer because, look, this is televised all over the world. It, it, let's face it. And I think us being really away from, say, Europe, it's still important to showcase the talent. Yes, we're attracting uh, so many big names. We know that more players are going to be... Uh, are going to be wanting to come here because all of a sudden you see players still, you know, towards the end of their career, but some of them a little bit younger uh, with age. And, you know, you're hearing little things from other players, right? Even the little mention of Wayne Rooney kind of saying, you know what, I can see myself playing there. Uh, so, so I think it's all important, even though it's not the best for, for, for players and managers of those teams, especially Major League Soccer teams that are playing through uh, the Gold Cup and, and Guinness Cup.
2: Uh, Drew, did you have a question? I didn't want to cut you out, but I, I have another one, but I just wanted to make sure you were uh,
0: still here. No, 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 I, I don't, but I, I I want to just okay. echo what he said. I, I think that the U.S. losing, you know, getting back, you know, rewinding a little bit, the U.S. losing or not winning the Gold Cup is actually a good thing. And, and when I say it can be a good thing, let me say that. And And to have all these surrounding countries improving um, I think that has a little bit to do with MLS, but I still think that is, is a, a really big positive, especially for the U.S. going forward. Go ahead, James.
2: Um, I'll find a way to edit that in at a maybe a better place. Um, so there was, uh, obviously the selection was, uh, for this All-Star game was, um, you know, a little bit of an issue. They certainly get creative, and you you got to give a lot of credit to MLS for that. And as, as you kind of alluded to, it's all about the growth of the league and, um, Commissioner Garber seems to be doing whatever he can to grow it in whatever way possible. Um, there was one interesting note, however, that the league's top scorer, um, Kai Kamara, he, didn't, he wasn't uh, voted in by the fans starting eleven. Um, he didn't get a designated spot. And he responded by saying, it's simple as it goes. You're either a U.S. national team player or you're a designated player to be on the roster. I'm neither of those, so if I get called up, I'll be lucky. And I was wondering if, uh, if, what you thought about that, Janusz, because to me it signals that um, the, the sort of soccer audience in, in uh, the United States is still much more supportive of America, as it were, than of the MLS. Um, do you think that's a fair characterization, or do you think these, sim- these things simply take a little bit more time uh, than, than some of the players would,
1: would like? they they do i mean look you of course everybody feels uh, for for uh, kai kamara i mean he should be there I, I i would have just i would just have coaches voted you know voting for that you know i mean fans it's a nice touch and all that you know they're going to vote for their their players and and you know i'm not saying that the coaches wouldn't have interest but i think coaches would be would be smart enough committee of all the coaches to 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 honestly sit down and say these are the players that need to make it there but having said that you know uh, You have to understand major leagues. Uh, I I used to overthink it, to be honest with you, early on, but I don't anymore because uh, it's true. It's a showcase. It's a showcase. It's just a friendly game. Uh, You know, the festivities start already, you know, Monday or even started Sunday. Uh, You have to take it for what it is, and it's absolutely meaningless. It's a celebration of the league. And, of course, when you have uh, key players, you know, do do I think it's right, uh, you know, that Lampard and those people get it? Uh, I think it's right and it's wrong. You know, I can't say, you know, in a definite way that that it's one or the other because you can't. I mean, these are big, big stars, right, that are going to attract people, are going to attract sponsors. They're going to attract, uh, you know, maybe uh, people abroad watching them, right? Because they're, they're big, big legends that just left their clubs. And, and so I understand that, you know, obviously everyone understands that, that Gerard didn't get there because of his play in Major League Soccer. But he, you know, the league spent a lot of money. The club spent a lot of money on them. So from that standpoint, from the monetary standpoint, what you're trying to get out of Major League Soccer and the exposure they may get, you've got to understand, right? I mean, that's business. I mean, this is America. This is what America is built on. I mean, every company would be doing that, right? Uh, you know, I mean, if, 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 you, have a, if you have a star, uh, you know, in, in your company, you're going to try to expose them to everybody because, because there's a reason that, that they are stars. So, uh, so I can live with that. And then there's, of course, that other side for me as a player that sees some of, some of those guys that are working extremely hard they, you know, uh, you know, they don't have that big name perhaps, uh, 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 but yet are doing what you're supposed to be doing, and that is playing well to earn yourself, uh, you know, to be an all-star because you've scored a number of goals or you had a number of assists or you play a critical role defensively where where you know everybody understands that you're one of the best defenders in, in the league, and and but you're not going to have that that big name, so. Um, you know, today, we, you know, and not just today, but we've been talking about it. Maybe, maybe we we ought to go back to this uh, east against west. Uh, you know, I saw Clint Dempsey, I think, uh, saying that to someone, and he's probably right. It's probably it's probably time for that. We've played a lot of these teams, the Bayern Munichs, the Spurs, and you know that's great. But I'm not necessarily sure. You know, this is a, probably a perfect example of why. Why this year maybe needed to be East against West, because with all due respect to Spurs, I'm not sure that, you know, uh, uh, tons of people are turning up to see them. You know, Bayern Munich, okay, you can make the case, still a great team when they came, and some of the others that we've had before, Manchester United. But uh, I think maybe to to let the players earn a little bit more money because of those bonuses, we go East-West. You know, I I think I could easily put, you know give you some great lineups in East against West with the players that we have, and that of course would include you know some of the big stars as well. But it will give probably more spaces to players that truly deserve it, right? Not just in the starting eleven, but with the bench as well. So. But again, it, it, let's not overthink the you know, Major League Soccer All-Star game. Let's not overthink why. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the moment you saw Lampard, you'd understand why there would be outrage. But if you're the commissioner of the league that runs it and, and has to look at the visibility of the league and the financial of the league, uh, I mean, I can't imagine that, that, that people were surpri- surprised by that.
2: No, you're absolutely right, and I think it it goes back to a conversation that we were having before as well, that just the fact that you can name two pretty good sides that would be recognized globally, East versus West, is a testament to uh, how far the MLS has grown. Um, And I was just wondering if you could tell people a little bit about your experience at the MLS and whether you you ever thought it would get to this point, and then what you see it growing into in, in perhaps the next 10 years.
1: You know, I mean, we have a tough audience now, and I'm not talking just about fans, but even journalists right now. And and you know, they write these passionate, uh, passionate articles, and, and 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 you know, sometimes you know, they're not always negative, but but a lot of times, you know, everybody uh, has a recipe on how to fix it. But but you know, some of them are young and don't remember what 1996 was. And and you know, I think James, you and I had this conversation before, and I, I, I if I had to be honest, I would tell you in 1996, uh, I was just You know, I was just being skeptical, you know, because I've been part of so many leagues ahead of that, outdoor, indoor leagues that didn't succeed and folded within a year, two, three, whatever it might have been, that I just, you know, if you told me that we're going to be having this conversation 20 years later and the league would be where it is, I'm not sure if I'd believe it. So I think... Uh, that alone has been extremely successful now the mechanisms of by which we've gotten here we all we all know what we're talking about none of us understand how the league works you know even after 20 years in the, in this business uh, uh uh we we don't but that mechanism got us here where where i think the league is is good is attracting better better and better players so i mean the fact that it's here and it's given uh, an opportunity to a lot of players to to continue you know i mean Let's face it, in the early 90s, I mean, people, if you were not, not on the national team, really your career was over. I mean, let, let's face it, you know, college was still the vehicle. After college, that was a big decision to make, right? To a certain degree, on the women's side, they have that as well. Yes, there's a league, but it's, it's still small and it's growing, right? There are a lot of good players. If you're not part of the, the, the national team setup, you really ought to be looking for a job, regular job. And let's face it, you know, in the early 90s, that was still the case for the most part because there was nothing to go back to. There wasn't a league there. So so the the, the fact that we see kids coming out of high school now, and, you know, I'm not going to argue if this is good, better, and different now, but just the fact that that is that option, or even if you come out of college, you have an option if you're good enough uh, that you, you may be able to play, I think it's a huge positive. Uh, uh, we can find holes in, 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 you know, many holes in the league because you can always improve and you can always do better. Uh, but, but overall, I think it's a tremendous job that, you know, 20 years later, the league is still here and more people are looking uh, uh, towards, you know, coming here. The money, of course, is vastly different to that, what it was in 96. Uh, and it's good. It's not good for everyone. We all know that. But at least now we're seeing, you know, a uh, money being paid that's comparable uh, to, to, to some of the best leagues in the world. And, yes, it's only for, you know, uh, 10 players in the league. But let's hope that this is a start. Let's hope that the 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 players in the middle and players on the bottom uh very very soon are going to be earning a, a very very good living. Yannis, uh, uh, I want to butt in for a second because because I, I have a a you
0: know this is a little bit different. Do you have any MLS stories back in you know in the late '90s that you could share with, or just one MLS story that you know kind of shows where the league was at? You know, if people weren't Used to you know uh, the history of the MLS.
1: Well, I, nothing that would shock you, but the, that perhaps is a positive. I've been asked this actually. You didn't catch me by surprise in this one because normally you'd expect something to say, "Well, look at this. We were we were traveling on buses and and uh, uh, you know twenty four uh, you know twenty hours to the game," but it wasn't the case. I, I think the league from the get go started, in my opinion, very professionally. It really did. You know, remember they took that extra year to start because it was supposed to start right after the World Cup. But in 95, of course, they kind of postponed it, and, you know, we started in 96. But, but I thought that even at the time, everything was done first class. I mean, we had our contracts. We had, a, you know, medical insurance, right? We flew to games. Mm. Everything was done right. And I think that's why you got to give credit because there was a legit, right. you know, even then I felt it was a legitimate attempt. You know, the, the only thing back then that, that were much, much different and uh, not great for us, it was, you know, we still had have to, have to tiptoe around, the other sports, television wise, stadium wise, and it was a big negative. You know, I, I remember playing games. You know, against you know Dallas Burn at the time. Again, you know, one o'clock in the afternoon in, in Texas. You know, and ESPN was showing this. And I remember talking later to some of the executives, like, "Well, you know, how can we make this better?" And I remember saying, "Well, let's not play in Tampa, or or you know, <laughs> Tampa had a team back then. Tampa, or Dallas, and one o'clock in the afternoon." I remember that game it was nil nil, and we walked through the entire game. I said, right. how can you sell this product? How can you sell this product to the people out there? When It's just impossible to do anything. But those, you know, those are the, the, the growing pain, uh, pains, I suppose. And look at now. Obviously, the contract is much, much bigger, much better. There's so many uh, soccer-specific stadiums, of course, where you don't have to worry about what the local NFL team may do and when you can squeeze in a game, right? Uh, uh, but, but in general... Uh, you know, other than the stories that you know with my teammates, which which of course I will I will never share with you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I I I I've often thought about it because I've been asked about it, and I think the biggest surprise was that the league, you know, was started in a very very professional way, to what I was used to, and you know, players that are coming in right now, you know, not now I have play, you know, uh, players that I talk to saying, you know, you know some of these players were five years old when I was playing. You know what I mean? Uh, and so so they may they may not understand that but i think players like peter vermees you know all the players that are in the league in, in some functions and look i mean everybody's there you know john doyle chris henderson peter vermees There's just many many Brian bliss all the former players that are either coaches or general managers or directors of coaching uh, you know they would tell you you know uh, 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 that they were part of leagues that that just you just knew uh, were you know semi pro even though they were called professionals and Without You know, I mean, that one year in between, I remember playing in the NHL for New York Center. It was just a small team. We, uh, you know, we, we played with, you know, no fans were coming to our games. We still travel, but it didn't have that, that, that feel of a professional uh, uh, team. And, and the next year, you know, I came to Columbus and everything was done, um, uh, you know, super professionally, I thought, you know, right from the get-go. So the league did the right thing. You know, they didn't feel they were ready. They didn't rush it in 95. They took another year. They they got their ducks in order and I think that pays dividends now. Yeah, not exactly what I was expecting. But yeah, was a I, you, lot know, be, you know, you uh, know, because it's you know there's, there probably is something, but you know I I couldn't I I couldn't find uh, I I didn't want to find a negative because there's, you know there's too much negativity uh, especially right. in the last few days, so I didn't want to go there. I mean, <laughs> I, I could come up with something because it wasn't no. a rose, you know, but uh, Uh, You know, why not uh, look at the bright side every once in a while? You know, you know it's easy to be negative almost immediately with everything. But uh, you know, I know I I know I sound like I'm flying the flag uh, of Major League Soccer. As I told you, I wasn't always uh, on that side uh, uh, early on, uh, but. But, look, uh, I, I think it's good. I think we ought to support it. I think, you know, eventually, you know, maybe, maybe who knows, maybe there will be a time where the tag of the single entity is going to be dropped. Again, I'm not 100% sure that it needs to be. I think we need to change some rules. But but it would be hard-pressed to say that this is not a good <coughs> league from the from the organizational standpoint. The level is getting better every, every uh uh, every year, right, I mean, I think some almost expect it to be like you know i don 't know premier league or, or 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 Bundesliga hey, that takes time right i mean those, you know some of those leagues have you know existed for hundreds of years you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, well, if there's,
0: if there's one thing that you would change in the m l s like the, that you think would help it succeed in the future, what would that be
1: uh that would be to to double down on 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 the young players. You know, those are the players that need to feel right away like the league wants them and loves them. If you if you see a talent in terms of pay structure, uh, I mean uh, that's that's first and foremost. Uh, I will always be on the on the side of the players when it comes to that. You know, in my punditry, I I can't sit on the fence as I've done here on a couple of questions. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, but but in terms of uh, players, I think. Uh, you know, if you're old enough, you're good enough. You know what I mean. And it doesn't matter if you're 17 or 25. Uh, I think if you see a ton, I think it needs to be rewarded. The the the, the structure of 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 payment uh, is not where it needs to be. I think after 20 years, that that should be much much better. 20 years is enough to get that right.
0: Good answer, James. Uh,
2: yeah. Um well, you know, the league certainly has uh, come a long way, and we actually today see another example of that as uh, Didier Drogba has officially uh, signed with the Montreal Impact. Or I guess he's technically signed with the MLS, and he will be playing for the Montreal Impact. Um, but just another step in the uh, in the right direction. Um, just looking looking forward, what what kind of what what do you see for um, the new team coming in Atlanta United. We're here based in Atlanta. Um, they won't be playing until uh, 2017, but we are certainly excited that they are coming. Um, you, they, you mentioned Wayne Rooney's rumors. He had been linked to uh, Atlanta United, and I was just wondering, you know, what what you've seen from expansion teams thus far and, and what Atlanta fans could expect uh, when a new team is unveiled in 2017.
1: Well, it's it's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, I'm not saying that it always works, but it's, it's pretty clear in, in how to do it, right? And I think Orlando City and, and NYCFC are showing it. I mean, in a new town, you've got to get people excited, especially, you know, you guys know as well as I do that Atlanta is a tough market for professional teams, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's not necessarily the easiest one to enter. Uh, uh, so they have to make an impact. They have to sign high-profile players. I mean, it's as simple as that. Look look what NYCFC is doing right now. Look at Pirlo. I mean, you know, it's great. You know, I'm the first one that'll tell you how much you know. I enjoyed him over over his career. You know, yesterday he came in. Some went crazy. You know, I mean, I. I <laughs> side note, I didn't think that he did anything special yesterday, <laughs> but his presence, his presence uh, was certainly felt, right? I mean, some of those passes that he made, are the simple passes that almost any player I expect to make, right? I, uh, you know, but you could see the class, and you, you know what's coming next. But but that's how much excitement he brought. That he, you know, commentators. Pundits, journalists alike were praising, you know, the simplest of passes uh, that that he made. So, uh, uh, but that's what players like that do. And Frank Lampard is going to bring that quality. We we see what David Villa is doing it. We see what Jovinka is doing it. We see what Kaka is doing already. Right? It's not a free ride for them. They are actually showing their class uh, here as well. Even though. You can make, you know, you can make an argument, you know, they're coming here towards the end of their career. How much more can you get out of some of those players that I've mentioned? Not all. Did you make an impact? But he is 37. For how long is he going to make that impact? You know, that's a big question. But in terms of Atlanta, I think they definitely, because of that market in particular, but just in general as an expansion team, I think they have to get somebody early for, for people in Atlanta to get excited, right? To, to, to all of a sudden, you know, you have NYCFC just out of nowhere getting a base of, what, 25,000 uh, people that are overnight became fans, right? Without a team, immediately, you know, they, they had a fan base, which, is, which to me is incredible, by the way. It, it really is incredible when you think about it, right? They've embraced it. Look, Orlando had a little bit more history because they've had teams in, in – uh, in lower leagues before but still it's an ama- you know it's amazing thing to see the Citrus Bowl and and how many people they have and you know Kaká coming in and and uh, you know you see, we've seen Larine of course having a hat trick and you know so I think that's what Atlanta has to do uh, you know uh, the structure I don't know exactly that I know Carlos Bocanegra has has gone there so I'm I'm sure he's going to have a lot of input he's got a lot of experience of course uh, playing in Europe and playing for the US national team he will probably uh, know with others uh, who are helping him uh, what make you know what, what, uh, you know, what type of players will make an impact. But, uh, you know, as I've said, I said, I don't think you bring in somebody, you know, you bring in a good player that people recognize no matter where he comes from. And if they're capable of doing that, bringing, you know, I don't know if it has to be three right away, but, you know, a couple of players uh, with, uh, with big personalities uh, that will energize the people in Atlanta, you know, that would be a good start.
2: Absolutely. Uh, We're certainly hoping for that. And one of the uh, things we're looking forward to discussing is is who that might be and who those players might be um, and and how they will uh, impact the team. Uh, And I do appreciate the Didier Drogba impact fund having played now for the Montreal Impact. Um, So I think, uh, Drew, unless you have anything else, um, we we can conclude what what will now mark as one of the most exciting Golden Goal podcasts uh, in (laughs) recent memory.
0: Uh, I will sure, say uh, that
1: uh, our, uh, our, we have high expectations for future guests. I hope that. Uh, <laughs> I know. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to have bigger guests than, than me as you go, and I hope that actually happens for you guys. And and again, I hope that this grows into something bigger, especially once the uh, you know Atlanta team comes into the league. You know, you, they're going to have already a, a place where fans perhaps, uh, uh, you know can participate as well because uh, that's what these things should be all about. You know, when you get participation of fans and, you know, a, a few guests here and there that will make it, uh, you know, y- your job a little bit easier. So I'm very happy to be uh, uh part of the beginning. And I hope that uh, in time you're going to get much, much bigger and more important people than me.
2: Well, we certainly uh, appreciate you coming on and, um, uh... You know, um, it's it's really been a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to connecting with you uh, in the future as well. You can catch Janusz, You can find him on Twitter at ESPN, but you can find him on just about any outlet that broadcasts sports. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> um,
2: and uh, feel free to uh, well listen into his commentary. And, and uh, though he has uh, stepped back a little from Twitter, um, you, you may be able to find him there as well. Um Janusz, it's it's really been a pleasure and we uh, we appreciate you coming on.
1: Uh I thank you very much uh for giving me this opportunity guys. It's been uh the pleasure has been all mine as they say.
0: Um great. Thank you so much Yanish. Um did could you do that uh just say um what, what what do you what do you want him to say? James I think uh, you uh, say
2: you're say listening I, to I, the Golden I
0: mean, Gold podcast.
2: Yeah, like I'm Yanish McAuliffe, former uh you know, United States national team player. And uh, you're listening to the Golden Goal Podcast. Um, and if you want to call it the best soccer show in the world, you can. <laughs> no, that's up to you.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll do that. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. That's fine. Let's have fun with it, right? So, uh, hello, everyone. My name is Janusz Mahalik. I'm a former U.S. men's national team player. And you're listening to Golden Goal Podcast, the best podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, I'll, uh, I'll stop. Do we does, that, do you- does that work for you guys? Oh, Yeah,
0: that works very well.
2: I'm going to pull it off the recording. And I actually, I forgot, Drew, I actually, so we were at the, um, both of us were at the uh, the U.S. game that was played in Atlanta, and I actually brought a recorder and got some fan noise. So I'm going to get a little applause going in the oh, there go. too and, and mix it up a little. So it should be, uh,
1: should be fun. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys, and uh, I'm sure we'll chat again. All right. Take care. Okay, bye-bye.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?